You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang. I'm an actor, producer, and filmmaker here to share inspiring stories and to go through everyday life with you. Happy Valentine's Day. Or no, it's over now, thank God. But I hope you had a good one. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 6, also known as Episode 166. And this week, guys, is just it's just us two. It's one-on-one time. It's story time uh, because I got the feedback that you guys enjoy it. Thank you to everybody who filled out the survey. And uh, yeah, here to share a story about my love and relationship life and bring it kind of full circle to update y'all to where I am now. And uh, yeah, this one, it's going to start with a downer. I'm just giving you a disclaimer because it's we're talking about my worst Valentine's Day ever. But spoiler alert, I'm doing really great. So it ends well. But uh, yeah, it's quite a journey in the in-between. So we'll get through that and hopefully reflect on all the different elements that I've personally experienced. Not all of them, but some of the elements I've experienced in my life uh, in my romantic relationships and what I've learned from them and how I want to take it moving forward. So buckle up. Might be (laughs) emotionally distressing, but uh, we'll get through it together. Don't worry, I'm here with you. And it's it's just me and you. I'm not going to sing the song by Cassie. I'm not singing Cassie's Me and You. I promise. You're welcome. Enjoy. Boy, you played yourself with your nonsense. I don't know what you're saying. So welcome to this story time where I share my worst Valentine's Day ever. And I'll preface it by saying, I think, This is really what solidified me hating Valentine's Day. I want to love it, but I have, I've had more crappy Valentine's Days than great. So as of today, as of 2022, I can say not a big fan, but I'll also say I hold a lot of hope that I can enjoy a really beautiful, like purely blissful and full of love Valentine's Day soon. And for the rest of my life, that'd be really nice. I'm not, I don't want to hate it, but you know what? Life has kind of made it a little hard not to hate it. I say I'm more neutral now, but anyways, welcome to my story time. This story takes place in Paris, France, one of my favorite cities in the entire world. And the story begins with my very first trip there ever. This is February of 2005. I was a sophomore in college, 19 years old. And for those of you who have done the math and can already figure out where I'm going with this, this was the the end of my relationship with my abusive boyfriend. So if you've been tuning into First of All for a while, I've mentioned in various episodes that I had a really difficult, uh, traumatic relationship in my teens for five years with someone much older than me from church. And it ended really catastrophically. I have not gone into detail, nor am I really even going to go into full detail of how it ended, but this is part of it. And the specific part that I want to elaborate on is the Valentine's Day part of it because it sucked. It blew. Uh, and one day I'll get to all the other details, but not today. 
I don't think my heart or my head can handle that. So we're in Paris, France. It's 2005. I took a semester off from UC Berkeley at the time, and I had basically been excommunicated out of my house and out of the country. My mom sent me to Korea the month prior, and I'd spent all of January in Korea, basically where I thought I was going to be indefinitely. And that was, as of that moment, that was the plan that I just stay in Korea because my family was doing everything they could to keep me away from this guy, which is totally appropriate. And I'm honestly really grateful. I was very, very in despair and distraught and angry and hostile and just flipping out because it was a very toxic, very uh, entangled, very difficult situation to extract me from. So for anybody who's dealt with an abusive relationship, you know, emotionally abusive, mentally, physically, financially, sexually, like there's so many layers and it's hard to just untangle all that. And it takes a lot of force and a lot of patience and a lot of persistence and a lot of determination from anybody and everybody involved for that to unravel. So that's basically where I was at. But when I arrived uh, in Paris, it was because my brother was studying abroad there and he basically decided that he, I was going to go with him. Um, everyone was in full protection mode of me. And I'm very grateful for that, even though I was being a very hostile, defensive, manic, um, young woman at the time, he decided that I had to go with him and that, uh, he was going to do his best, you know, unbeknownst to me, he was very, very determined to like reason with me, talk with me and figure out how to get me out of this really shitty situation that I was in. Uh, The reason why Valentine's Day sticks out so strongly in this story is because that was my anniversary with my abusive boyfriend. So we'd been on this crazy roller coaster ride in the months leading up to this. A lot of bad things had happened. A lot of very, uh, just like straight out of a Korean drama, a lot of stuff happened that I couldn't fully wrap my head around. But as, as of February of 2005, I was still, I was back together with him, even though my family had, you know, forbidden me to ever speak to him again. And that I was literally out of the country. We were, you know, technically still together. I'd run back to him for the literally like probably the 115th time. Cause there was a lot of breaking up and getting back together, a lot of back and forth. It was, it was a really crazy time. So we were back together and uh, I (laughs) was spending an exorbitant amount of money while I was in Korea and in France on calling cards and internet cafes. Because this is 2005. Yes, we had internet. It was a thing. No, it was not everywhere. No Wi-Fi was not anywhere, I think, or abundant. Everything had to be, you know, line in to to a telephone line still, I think. And... um, especially in Europe, it was really expensive. And I talked about money in the last episode with Melly, just talking about my money issues. This is part of that. I had my credit card and basically every day I was spending 15 to 40 to 50 euros, which is easy, you know, the dollar was not very strong then. And spending like upwards of $50 a day trying to just call my boyfriend at the time from a payphone and go to an internet cafe and use terrible internet just to chat and email and whatnot. So that was what was happening. And I was just desperately clinging on to this really, really toxic situation. And my brother was doing his best every day outside of being in class uh, for his study abroad program to talk with me, reason with me, support me, 
yell at me, like a mix of every tactic under the sun because he was just honestly trying to get his sister out of this bad situation. And I wasn't having any of it. I was deep in it, still very much brainwashed and still very like convinced that I needed this relationship and that there was no other love that could ever compare to this. And just fully believing that I I couldn't be without him. Okay. So come Valentine's Day, I remember this because it's the anniversary and this is when my brother dropped a bomb on me because he had had, my brother is, he's not one to trifle with and he's a smart dude and he's a very protective brother. And while I was in Korea, he had done his due diligence to get evidence against my boyfriend at the time who had been cheating on me for a very, very long time, which technically I knew, but I cannot currently, I will not in this episode break down the psychology of that. Even though I knew I was like, like delusional and I like it, I wouldn't let it like actually sink into my brain so that I would act upon it. It was something that I glossed over and act like, honestly, like it didn't exist, even though technically intellectually in my neurons, I knew was going on. Um, so right on the, I think it was like February 12th or 13th. That was the day my brother had tried for the, like the 15th time to talk with me. We took a walk along the Seine in Paris and he tried to get me to explain to him being the lawyer that he was not yet, but he was trying to get me to explain to him why this love was so magnanimous and amazing and why it was so worth protecting. And being the 19-year-old brainwashed, traumatized child that I was, I had no real reason to give him. And I think the words that came out of my mouth, honestly, at this point, they're so embarrassing because I was saying stuff that's straight out of like a bad romance movie. It's like, you don't understand our love and you you just don't get it. And, you know, there's nothing you can say that can that can rip us apart. Like, you just don't get it because you have never loved somebody like this. I mean, it, it, it really was as bad as it sounds. And I was that was my argument. That was my defensive argument to, to my brother, which he was not having, bless his heart. And he shouldn't because I wouldn't. Um, and he was just patient, so patient with me, but he was starting to lose it. And so finally, when he wasn't having it anymore, he dropped the bomb that uh, it was very simple, but he was just like, you know, he's cheating on you. Like he knew and he wasn't asking me, do you know if he's cheating on you? He didn't ask me that. He said it very decisively. He's like, he's cheating on you. And I already knew this, you guys, <laughs> but having my brother who I'd hidden all of that from for five years, um, drop the bomb on me and to know it so conclusively, like I just knew by the way he said it, that he knew and it wasn't stuff he was making up as a threat. It like cracked me open. So that was great. Um, I spent, I think really the next 48 hours crying nonstop. And that was like the worst way to spend Valentine's Day in one of the most beautiful cities on earth, the most romantic city on earth, which I don't take Paris to be the most romantic place because it's a place where like I became a free person. It's like Independence Day for me there. But for everybody else, this is where people get engaged. This is where people go for their destination wedding. It is the city of love. And mine was, my heart was just getting torn to shreds, but it was probably the most important moment of my life thus far. 
I mean, till now, seriously, um, definitely the most important moment of my life at that moment where the truth was really sinking in and it was the beginning of the end. My worst Valentine's Day though, it was either within 24 hours or 36 hours of that moment when all hell broke loose internally because it's like the light pierced the darkness for some reason. That fact and my brother explaining how he knew this information was kind of my shackles breaking free. But in the process of that, uh, I think I alluded to this in the money episode too. You know, before things get better, things get really fucking dark and they get really hard. Um, And it was truly the most painful. I mean, I've gone through a lot of pain since then too, mind you, but like, I still kind of viscerally remember being on the floor and not being able to get up. I remember crying into like the floor laminate. I remember the color. I remember the texture because like it was my home for like 24 hours. I didn't know how to get up from the floor because I was crying and screaming into the ground. It sounds very dramatic. And it was. It was the one of the worst moments of my entire life. Um. But then I proceeded, like I said, it gets worse and sometimes worse, worse, worse before it gets better. But that Valentine's Day, I will never forget the day before, the day of, the day after. These were key moments of my life where I finally started to be my own advocate. I genuinely feel like this is when I started to learn how to better love myself because my anger in this truth, not even being revealed because I knew it, but like the truth being confirmed from an outside source, which was my brother. And uh, yeah, if I explained even how he found out, that's a whole other story. But maybe I'll, I, I don't know if he'll, he'll be down to come on to talk to me about it. But one day we'll get to that story. But the, this Valentine's Day, I went into like Amazon warrior mode for myself because my anger and my rage that was completely justified out of all the years that I had been so dehumanized and disrespected in every single way possible. It was like, it was, it was blossoming into action. And so even it was, even though it was like some of the most painful days, it was like in hindsight right now, I'll say it was pretty badass. So I continued to, I confronted my boyfriend at the time on the spot, denied it. Till his dying day will completely always deny it. I had evidence. Um, all the sneakiness that I had been using for the last five years at that time, again, was a different internet age, guys. And it was a different age of passwords and a different way to access numbers and a different way to get into voicemail accounts, et cetera. I had known how to do that, but I finally used it on my behalf. Because before I would do it to like protect my ex. Like I would do it in insane ways to like lie to my own family, to just do all kinds of shit that was not on my side. It was for him and nobody else. It was just insane. And it was like against my own family, but I finally started to use it for me. And so that Valentine's day weekend, I don't even think it was a weekend. It was just, it was like that series of days. I started using my own smarts to get the information that I needed. I got phone records. I got emails. I saw more horrible information than I ever cared to understand. Cause like once you go down that rabbit hole, it's, it's ugly and it's dark. 
But yeah, I got I got it. I got all the info. And because I had phone records and because one of those people that was uh, I was being cheated on with was one of my best friends, really the best friend that I had at that time because she's technically an ex-girlfriend of his that he like let me be friends with. Um, it was a complete and utter shit show. The reason I share this Actually, before I even get to that conclusion part, I called these other girls that he was also cheating on me with, one of whom, one of whom like I knew existed. I knew of her name and I knew who she was simply by the city location that was on the phone bill. I knew who she was and I called her and I had an inkling. And this is again, using my, my FBI uh, capabilities. That's why you don't mess with girls that are smart. Like when you start to use your own smarts on your own behalf, man, like there's nothing you can't do. But you know how they say like, don't hire an FBI agent, hire a woman, an angry woman. Like we can do a lot of, we can find a lot of things. This is when the internet was even more obscure and way more inaccessible than it is now. I still found out what I needed. I found her Zanga. <laughs> I found it's. I found a, a, all these other things basically to triangulate and confirm that it was the person that I thought and it was her. I called her and she picked up. We ended up having a conversation and basically, you know, as an actor, I can kind of assess whether people are being truthful or not to a, to a good enough degree, I think. She, as a, a girl that liked my ex-boyfriend at the time, was also pissed because she didn't know that I existed. Surprise, surprise. And she proceeded to like spill her guts and tell me everything that I wanted to know. Dates lined up. She told me details about when they hung out, what they did, how he did them to her, like lots and lots of details. I found this out by Valentine's Day <laughs> in a payphone in the middle of Paris. That was freezing cold too, because it's the winter there, right? So that was it was it was a really, really trying time. It's like, it was like out of a movie. I could not believe what I was hearing, but I also was like going through all these emotions where I, I wanted to hate her so badly because I'd been programmed and trained to hate all the girls that could potentially be a threat to me because he made it that way. Um, but I found myself commiserating with her and, you know, feeling this very righteous anger and feeling like I had an ally because the other girl that you know, he was cheating on me with was my best friend. And that was a betrayal beyond words because the way the two of them plotted and put on a farce and like faked everything with me basically for years to deceive me and to manipulate me in a joint effort. Like that was a whole other ball of wax. And that was, I I don't even think I could address that because I basically addressed what I could, which is this other third party who seemingly to me was more innocent to all of what was going on. So I ended up having a really lengthy conversation, probably almost like 45 minutes, which at the time was really expensive. And I'm standing there in a payphone, just like talking to America called California, talked with her. And she was just honestly on my side. And I felt so much relief. And she was like, whatever you need to know, I'll tell you. It was very like girl power energy. Um, I took that, ran with it, you know, went back to my ex, told him I knew all about stuff with her. Da, 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 da. I was, you know, line itemizing all the betrayals that I had discovered. And then I get, um, 
I think within less than a day, I got an email from her saying, Hey, Minji, like, um, I know that I spoke with you the other day, but um, I take back everything that I said. Everything I said was a lie and I just totally made everything up. Word to the wise, if anybody out there gets in this kind of scenario, when you listen to somebody tell a story and they're detailing things passionately without hesitation, they're not sitting there crafting a lie. She basically, her reasoning in this email was that she was so upset to find out that my ex was talking to me that she wanted to get revenge on him. So she therefore made up lies one after another to incriminate him and that what she said wasn't true it was her being basically outing herself as like I was just being like crazy and jealous and so I made all this up she acted like I hadn't been dating this mofo for five years and that I did not know better I knew the extent fully beyond anything she could know I knew way more than her about how manipulative he was and what a liar he was and I also knew that he had been cheating on me with other girls so like Nothing she said she said held water with me. And I just basically was like, okay, he he talked to her and he got her to what was it? Expunge herself. It could remove her statement from the record. Uh to strike it from the record that it's fake and like take it all back. And I was like, I know he called her and had a talk with her. And then so I responded to her. So it was in writing. And I was like, hey, Brenda, that's not her name. I was like, hey, Brenda, like, look, I talked with you. I know you're being truthful. I have an idea that he spoke with you and that you're just making this up because you're trying to protect him. I don't understand why, because he's not worth protecting, but I don't believe that you made this up. I think I know that you are being truthful to me. I believed everything you said because the way that you explained it to me, the way that certain details lined up very, very clearly from what I know about him, his car, his house, the phone bill, everything, like you did not make this up. And that proceeded to snowball into like a whole other mess of her telling me that I'm crazy. She's like, wow, you really are just like, you are just a jealous psycho girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. And it was bad. So this, you guys, was how I spent Valentine's Day of 2005. And Valentine's Day and then some. It was honestly like the days leading up to it, the day of, and like probably two, three days after that as well. Just going going through all of these... uh really, really terrible moments where everything that I had been kind of like brainwashed and tortured and manipulated and volunteering my myself, my time, my love, my energy was just crumbling beneath me. And it's taken a lot of time to truly get over that. I'll be real. But that was my worst Valentine's Day ever. Sad thing is now that I'm on TikTok <laughs> and honestly, because I'm very curious. I've talked to a lot of different people in my life. I've had various um, friends and even like strangers share really, really personal stories with me. I'm not trying to minimize what I went through in any way. There have been so many different versions of this kind of heartbreak in a lot of different people's lives. The kinds of betrayals that exist, the kinds of abuse, um, it exists out there. And this isn't my campaign to like, destroy Valentine's Day. It's just this mixture of wanting something so badly in like the purest way, wanting nothing more than to love and be loved and to put something like a day or 
a, a type of relationship on a pedestal and giving it so much meaning. And then to have that kind of experience in life in general, it doesn't even have to be on Valentine's Day, but to go through that when we're such fragile and sensitive and vulnerable creatures, it's a really hard thing to bounce back from. It's a really hard thing to heal from, even when you do walk away and even when you do the right thing, which is to like, yeah, leave his ass or her ass or whoever, right? To leave your betrayers behind and move on with your life. There's a really long aftermath too to try to trust somebody again, to be open enough to like accept healthy love and to know healthy love for yourself. Because obviously, most likely you were not in a healthy place leading up to that. Um, it is a, it's a lot, right? So I share this because I don't want to traumatize anybody with my story and I don't want, I'm not seeking pity from this. It's something that definitely happened in my life. That is literally, that's truly like the Cliffsnose version, but it's a reflection of the kind of darkness that love can also create. Um, but I also think that there are huge lessons out of that, that are so priceless and so invaluable. And again, that darkness is oftentimes the beginning of the growth and it's the beginning of things getting better, which this absolutely was, that I think is the true story and the true lesson that I care to conclude this, this little chapter of my life with. That moment and the rest of the three months that I spent in Paris, not knowing up from down, not knowing the language, not knowing the city, not knowing if and when I would ever go home, um, not knowing how people I trusted or cared about or had given so much to could, could ever do something like that and like still go to bed at night and get up in the morning and and look at themselves in the mirror. Like these are really, really big, awful things to try to try to navigate and figure out. But going through that every single day, like I'm so proud of her. And that is a huge part of who I am. Not that I I dictate my entire identity off of this one thing that I do mention because it was a really, really huge part of what shaped me that traumatized me, but also gave me so much strength as a person because like forevermore after that, after that day, I survived that day and I will always have that with me. I will forever know in my heart of hearts that I'm a strong person because I overcame that. And that's something that nobody can take away from me. and. Beyond that, beyond the being able to endure and the the ability to survive, which I really, really want to drive home, that people in their various stages of romance, because even in the best of times, there are different times where you will face moments where you do feel completely depleted and completely hopeless and completely alone and abandoned or betrayed or worthless, like so many things, right? Those Those moments arise. And the despair is real and the pain is real and the hopelessness is real. Um, it doesn't, it, it doesn't always last forever. And it breaks my heart that some people may feel that it does. And it does feel like it does when you're in the moment. But then you you get up the next day and you keep walking and you keep 
experiencing life. And then little by little, you invite other folks into your space. And that doesn't mean on a romantic level, just on a kindness level, just on a friendship level from your family. And it is that micro movement by micro movement. And then suddenly you find yourself in a place where like, you're able to care about somebody again and somebody else, or maybe that person that you left and like, if they were not abusive and not toxic and they just needed space from you and they grew the hell up on their own, got their shit together, as did you in the time apart, maybe that person comes back and you can then feel those same feelings of, you know, bliss and joy and exhilaration and peace and harmony and gratitude and laughter. You can have that again. You know, those go hand in hand. I don't wish anybody pain ever even the like my ex who I had had so much hatred and resentment for in my healing process it didn't I I really had to learn that it wasn't benefiting me from staying hateful and wishing pain and ill on him I genuinely don't um this is where we we learn what love is I think Having the blessing of experiencing romantic love still, again, is one of the best things in the entire universe. And I really wish it for everybody. I I believe in its power to heal. I believe in its power to motivate and inspire and take you up out of darkness. Um, And it's just like one of life's greatest joys. It's not the only joy. There's so many other sources of joy. And that's also what I learned in this time, this time of darkness, because there's huge parts of me that was not available to romantic love. And I think it was completely appropriate and wise and mature not to, not to like overdo it though. My, like by the end of that year, I was in another relationship and that was a doozy, but you know, there are times for healing. There's times to like receive love and find joy and meaning and purpose and gratitude in other arenas that are not romance. Um, but I share the story. Yeah. Because Valentine's Day can really, really suck. And this is my evidence to say, like, I really know and I I get it. And that's not the only shitty Valentine's Day I had. There were several more that followed after. I'm pretty sure I had a couple bad ones before then because really, like, I started liking boys in kindergarten. I'm sure I had bad Valentine's Day before then. But that definitely takes the cake as the worst. And you know what? My hope is forevermore that that remains the worst Valentine's Day I ever have. And it was a valuable one though. And it taught me a lot. And it was the beginning of me through many, many, many years after that moment to learn how to love myself. And then I think that process and that lesson and that exercise of those muscles that were so weak and so underexposed to any sort of practice, um, really helped me get to where I am now, which is a lot happier, a lot more grounded and still just as romantic and still just as hopeful that a lot of happiness lies in front of me. And I'm single as hell, guys. I'm saying this not because I'm here to announce that like I have found my, you know, forever, forever Valentine. (laughs) I have not. But I find myself really, really peaceful and happy this Valentine's Day, even though I'm not that big of a fan of the day. I also like, I'm so getting over capitalism and like just seeing how much I've been marketed to my entire life and bought into all of it. 
I mean, y'all heard me. This is, I feel like this has become a kind of a gripey season too, but it is what it is. Cause it's my honest, it's what my honest feelings are at this current moment in time. But like, I personally wish that Valentine's day could be every day. I want to have like dates with my partner forever. I don't want it to only be on special days like Valentine's day. I want, um, yeah, I, I would love the commercialness of this to kind of just, it's, it gets, gets cringy. But I am really happy, even though I'm single and I'm not complaining about it. I am going to go enjoy a bowl of jajangmyeon because that's what the singles eat. And I love jajangmyeon. If you don't know what that is, it's black bean noodle soup. Try it. You're welcome. It's so good. Um, that's a tradition in Korea where they where single people eat jajangmyeon to celebrate singles day. <laughs> and I'm genuinely celebrating it because I feel like I've done a lot of healing work lately to come to where I am. And as a really small little drippy drop of a future episode that's to come, um, I'm reaching a time in my life, in my later 30s, and a single woman, a career woman, if you will, an artist, that I'm going to be looking into getting my eggs frozen and looking into IVF and all of those uh, all of those wonderful scientific options that are available to us women now that still want to have a family. And there's been a whole long journey with that, kind of taking stock of where I'm at emotionally, mentally, physically, financially to make that decision. And I was really scared about it, but I'm actually feeling really excited now. And yeah, I think making these decisions are part of this whole Valentine's Day reflection that I relied so deeply subconsciously, not even consciously, but I think I had such a reliance on wanting the Valentine, wanting the partner, wanting the romance of a lifetime and not wanting to be without it, but really realizing that having it and being without it, there's joy and there's love. And they're honest and romance. I'm like, I'm going to have an amazing Valentine's Day. Believe you me, it's going to be great with uh, some of my girlfriends. But there's there's an abundance of love and joy and bliss and all that, whether I have that romantic partner or not. And weirdly, ironically, beautifully, I think that I'm the most ready to have a, a lasting partner now. And it took me a long time to get here. So I say this and I share this terrible <laughs> worst Valentine's Day story as a motion of hope and a wish for love for everybody and a big hug to anybody who's suffered through heartbreak of any kind. It is truly one of the worst pains that a person can go through, which is why I think a lot of people do everything they can not to be vulnerable because they don't want to go through this hurt. And yeah, it's not to romanticize it. It's to accept it for what it is. It's it's fucking worst. But I also think that people are incredibly strong and resilient. And that process of figuring out how to love yourself in the truest fashion, for real, not faking it, not for fakesies, not just fake it till you make it, but sometimes requires some faking it till you make it. It'll be really worthwhile. And when you get to that point of peace, I do think that's the very best place to be open and ready and receiving of something true and lasting and beautiful. And even if it doesn't last for a lifetime also, have fun with it. This is me as your sister being like, enjoy life. Um, It's wonderful. Romance is wonderful. It's so fun. And then 
have fun and then tell me all about it. So you can like email me, <laughs> um, DM me. I want to hear. I love love stories. Oh, so I'm going to get loud. I love love stories and I never get sick of them. So also, if you want to tell me about how you met your significant other and how special it is and all that, I would love to hear it. So with that awful story, it is still a celebration of love. We're going to take a really quick break. I'm going to do something ultra cheesy, but I'm going to do it because this is my show. And because I have been challenging myself in the year of the tiger and in 2022 onward for the rest of my life is to stop holding back and to stop, stop acting like I'm not a total basic, cheesy, hopeless, romantic girl that I am. I'm going to stop suppressing that, stop denying that. So what we're going to do when we get after the break is that as an exercise that I've been doing to heal a lot of things within myself that I've shared on the podcast and in my personal circles is to write to myself. And so I wrote myself a Valentine's Day love letter. So I'm going to share that on air with you guys because YOLO. (laughs) And uh, we'll be right back after the break. I'll share the letter with you and that'll be it for this week. So be right back. If I can move a mountain for you, Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. And we're the hosts of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Each month, we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a variety of genres, including contemporary and historical fiction, sci-fi and fantasy, romance and cozy mysteries, and so much more. Our past book club picks have included Pachinko by Minjin Lee, Patron Saints of Nothing by Randy Ribeye, Grace of Kings by Ken Liu, and The Kiss Potion by Helen Huang. Every month, we also go through the latest news in Asian American literature, as well as chat with some awesome Asian authors about their works. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com, and you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Hey, first of all, fam, if you're a fan of the show and would like to support, consider backing us on Patreon. You can join our Discord community and get different perks by going to patreon.com slash first of all podcast. If you'd like to support in other ways, you can go check out firstofallpod.com or subscribe and leave a five-star rating on your favorite platform. Or just follow me on Instagram, because I love hearing from you. Thank you all so much for the support, and enjoy the show. Okay, welcome back from the break. Here is my... <laughs> Please. Yeah, whatever. Here I go. Here is my love letter. To Minji from Minji on Valentine's Day 2022. Okay, here we go. Dear Minji, happy Valentine's Day, my love. I've been very bad at telling you this on a regular basis. And you know this, of course, because you are me. I love you. I love you. I'm grateful for you. And I'm very proud of the woman that you've become over the years. I'm proud of you for overcoming more heartbreak that we never, ever anticipated. I'm proud of you for taking life's punches with grit and grace and still finding it in your heart to forgive and let go of everything that you have. There were a lot of times that I was actually very scared that you never would, 
I was scared that resentment, anger, fear, and bitterness would have a permanent and maybe even consuming place in your heart. And honestly, it would have been completely reasonable and fair if it did. But you didn't let it. You did the heavy lifting in the wake of every bump, every scrape, and every bruise, even when your heart was thrown in the fucking blender multiple times. All the while, while you were working, supporting your friends and family and their hardships, building your career, speaking on behalf of your community, and chasing and actualizing your dreams. That's no small feat. I know I've been your constant critic for most of our lives, but damn girl, I am just so proud of you. And I appreciate you sticking it out when you could have given up, especially when you really considered it. I'm so grateful and glad that you didn't and that we're still here and that we're living a really beautiful life that we wouldn't trade for anything. You believed in love and you contemplated what it actually means to love. Beyond all the movies and the love songs and the sappy quotes, you practiced, you failed, you succeeded, you failed again, and you kept on going. You learned that being in love is one of the most exhilarating and beautiful experiences that life gifts us with. But it also comes with a great responsibility. And that vulnerability is maybe humanity's greatest fear. And with that, you learned how to see through so many masks because you were increasingly made aware of your own. You also heard a lot of people along the way, Minge. Like, damn, you really did. And from it, you learned how to take responsibility. You learned how to ask for help. You learned how to ask for forgiveness. And you learned how to be forgiving too. You learned that life isn't fair in the least, but you learned that there's always hope and balance in the long run. I'm really glad that you took more time these past few years to truly heal. I'm glad that we talked to people who could help us. I'm glad we cut out people who were hurting us. I'm glad we had more quality time together and that it did so much good for our success. Thank you for protecting me. Thank you for honoring me, empowering me, and for being ever increasingly patient with me and for working so hard to be the best version of you. Thank you for being brave and for freeing yourself from so much of what weighed you down so that we could live and breathe and have real love. I look forward to a lifetime of happiness and growth with you. Have a wonderful day because you deserve it. Love, Minji. That's my letter to myself. Thanks for listening, guys. And I really encourage you guys to do the same. I cried when I wrote this. I didn't cry when I read it out loud, but I cried when I wrote it. And uh, this is part of what I've been doing to heal a lot of, a lot of, a lot of everything. And it can feel kind of funny and awkward and cheesy and weird, but I'm telling you, there's, there's a lot of power in putting your thoughts on paper to talk to yourself the way that you would want others to talk to you. And I think genuinely learning how to do that and then feel it and believe it is what has gotten me to where I am now. Um, because it's not rooted in pain and it's not rooted in despair and it's not rooted in revenge or anything like that. And honestly, in the past it was, it was rooted in like, I'll show them. I'll get back at them with my happiness. Like all that. I just want to be happy and I want to love and love doesn't have any love. Ain't got no time for that. If you are actually loving, you don't have time for putting energy into revenge. And that's what the ironic thing is, right? They're like people's happiness and indifference is the best revenge. And revenge happens when you don't want it. Like, I don't care to go out of my way for 
hurting the people who hurt me. I definitely hurt people too. And I would hate for people to wish ill upon me. Though if they do, that's them. I cannot control that. But yeah, that's my letter to myself. That's my Valentine's Day celebration that I'm sharing on the airwaves with all of you. I know it's already over when this comes out, but um, love's a special thing and I hope we all get to experience it. Thank you guys for tuning in for this week's episode with me. And I hope you find, have, appreciate, and celebrate love. And yeah, I'm excited to share more about this IVF and egg freezing journey. I learned a lot from different podcasts and different friends that have all been going through their various journeys. It's been really educational. It's been helping me feel a lot less scared. So I'm excited to share that with all of you guys. So just again, dropping and plugging that because that is coming up and um, we'll all get informed on this together. And I really appreciate whoever's listening being on this road with me. It'll be fun. We'll see where it goes. Thank you to Marvin Yue, my audio engineer and producer. Thank you, Marv, for helping me get through all these many episodes of First of All. And thank you to Anna Sun, my producer. And thank you to Juliana Deer, my social media marketing team. And thank you to everyone who's been supporting the podcast. If you liked this and wanted to share my ultra sad story and, <laughs> and vulnerable letter to myself, feel free to. You can find First of All Podcasts on all of the podcast platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, etc. And uh, please subscribe and leave, st- leave a five-star review. It does help with the algorithm so that others can find me. And uh, appreciates, I appreciate it because it gives me a lot of encouragement. So thank you to everybody who's DM'd and shared their appreciation for the show. It really, I love it. And you can email me at firstofallpod at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to firstofallpod.com and find links to my Patreon, PayPal, etc. whatever you'd like. Um, genuinely appreciate everything that is given. Receive it with a very uh, grateful heart. Thank you to my Patreon patrons. Y'all are the best. I love you very much. I'm a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, which is a collective of Asian American podcasters and storytellers. So go check out all the other amazing shows on there. And our intro music was provided by Uzu Han, the classic Uzu Trap. And our outro music this week is by a very talented friend of mine, Jules Aurora. She's absolutely beautiful as a person, as an artist. And her song, Anything For You, is our outro song this week. So please check it out. Uh, Follow along on Spotify. We have a Spotify playlist of all the different music that's uh, shared on First of All. So follow along if you'd like. And yeah, if you have a song actually that you'd like to recommend me, please send it in. I'd love to hear it um, and see, you know, if we can support other independent artists who are out there making great stuff. I'm just in like great discovery mode and it's really fun. So you know the email, firstofallpod at gmail.com. And also to send me your love stories because I want to know the too. But that's it for me this week. Have an amazing day, week, month, year. Whenever I catch you later, I'll talk to you soon. Love ya. Bye.
Hey, Ryan, what's black and white and red all over? I don't know, Robin. Two nuns having a chainsaw fight? Dude, inappropriate. Come on, man. This is supposed to be a podcast promo for our secret underground podcast, Quarantine Comics. Oh, yes. Quarantine Comics, the weekly comic book club where I, ace reporter Ryan Joe, and I, mild-mannered Robin Sutton, team up to discuss some of comics' greatest works. Or just some really cool comics that we've been wanting to read. From Alan Moore to Uzumaki. From Arrakis to Zendaya. From Adrian Tomine to Jean Lun Yang. You might not have heard of half the stuff that we're reading. Or the other half is just pop culture superhero stuff. They could just read the books with us, right? Yes, they could do that, but you could also just send us money. No, Ryan, that's not how passion podcast projects work. Why in the hell are we even doing this? Uh, I'm sure we'll be back by next week's episode. <clears throat> so, tune in each week to Quarantine Comics. That's qtdcomics.com. Set phasers to fun. <laughs>